listening to All the Backlist, a weekly show about books that are not new. I am your host for the week, Trisha Brown, and this is episode number 451.5. I hope everyone is doing well in this seemingly never-ending winter, at least for those of us in the Northern Hemisphere, and I hope that those of you dealing with summer are happier about these never-ending months. You know, one of the things I do more often in winter is stay in. I know, revelatory idea. But given how rainy and frankly dark it is in the Pacific Northwest this time of year, I read a lot, as usual, but I also watch a lot more TV. I mean, when the sun goes down at 5 p.m., there aren't a lot of good options for a post-work hike or bike ride. So anyway, one of the shows that I got hooked on this last winter was Percy Jackson and the Olympians on Disney+. It's an adaptation of Rick Riordan's much, much beloved series, And I think this series was meant, at least in some ways, to correct the wrongs done by the film adaptations, or at least the perceived wrongs done. Um, Those adaptations were in the early 2010s, which honestly, I didn't think were that bad, but to each their own. You can at me, tell me what you thought. Anyway, the new series has far more involvement from Riordan and frankly, seemed to go over a lot better with the fans. I thought it was fun and adventurous and compelling. And while it was a little too much for me to watch with my four and six-year-old nephews, I thought it was great. And I look forward to rewatching it with them eventually. Plus, it was renewed for a second season. So, you know, you got something to look forward to. But by now, you are probably wondering why I'm still talking about this. Is relevant, I promise, because watching this reimagining of some of the famous Greek mythological characters made me want to dive back into mythology of all kinds. And we're going to do that in just a minute. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's talk some mythology and folklore. Now, let's be very clear from the beginning that there are all kinds of sources for mythology and legends and lore. It's an entire genre of story that's been done over and over in all types of different subgenres. I mentioned Percy Jackson as a more recent example of reimagining Greek mythology, but there are also authors like Grace Lin, who are targeting about the same, I would say, age group, drawing from Chinese and Taiwanese folktales in her fantastic storytelling. These are just a couple of examples of the way that there are retellings of myths and legends from all over the world. But today, we're going to zero in on, first, a unique form of Greek myth retelling, and then a set of short stories retelling legends from around the world. To kick it off, let's start with the drama of the Greek gods and goddesses and talk for a bit about Lore Olympus by Rachel Smith. 
Lower Olympus reimagines Greek mythology in a modern-day setting, the city or community, whatever you want to call it, of Olympus, in which all of your typical gods are around. Zeus, Poseidon, and Hades, for example, are three brothers of the royal family. They have a very complicated relationship with each other and with everyone else in Olympus. You get it. Now, this particular book has what I would consider an interesting origin story in and of itself. So Lore Olympus started on Webtoon, which is a site that hosts digital comics and, of course, Webtoons, which are comics that are designed to be viewed as they are drawn on mobile devices. So it originated, um, Webtoons, the site, all of it originated in South Korea, but it's become more popular, more widely popular, partly as a result of the rising popularity of manga. I find this method of graphic novel or story delivery to be fascinating, but we will come back to that. Anyway, Lore Olympus blew up, like, big time. Totally blew up. Per Wikipedia, as of last month, that's January of 2024, it had 1.3 billion views, which is a lot of views. Like, we talk about Sarah J. Moss or Colleen Hoover, but 1.3 billion views is way more than the people who have read these major author books. Again... Anyway, so many people were viewing it that in 2021, hard copy books, both hardcover and paperback, but interestingly and seemingly not ebooks, were published of the first 25 chapters of the saga. So you could actually buy them, own them, read them in hard copy. And volume one is what we're mostly going to be talking about today. But that said, there are five volumes. So volumes one through five are available in book form now. A sixth book is coming out in May. Uh, there's supposed to be one more, I believe, that's going to be published this year in 2024 before the series wraps up. But you can also be reading along online on Webtoon, which might be the reason that you can't find the stories on Kindle, because good for Rachel Smith, it would be kind of silly to sell them if you can get them for free. Anyway, what is actually in this book? So... The story opens with us meeting our two central characters, Persephone and Hades. Persephone has a very overprotective mother, Demeter, and so uh, she finally has convinced her mother to let her go off on her own in Olympus. She's living with her best friend Artemis. The two of them go to a party, and Persephone catches the eye of Hades, who is probably, as you know, the god of the underworld. As happens in the high drama of these stories... Hades comments on Persephone's beauty, Aphrodite hears it, gets very mad, and uh, enlists Eros to help her be just kind of like a real jerk about her insecurity. As an aside, it is not a coincidence that we never see any of these Greek gods or their friends in therapy. But again, as an aside. Anyway, the story takes off from there, and while sparks fly between Persephone and Hades, this is most definitely a slow burn. And you can understand pretty quickly why there are seven volumes in total, because... It is compelling, but we are not getting where we might imagine going with our central couple, at least in volume one. Story aside, I thought the art was really beautiful. And while I thought it was very, very well adapted to the hard copy page, uh, that's how I read it. I read it in hard copy. I do think it's worth seeing it in the original Webtoon form. So if you have a minute, take a look, maybe download the Webtoon app and see what the panels look like on your phone, which sounds like a bananas thing to say about a comic book or a graphic novel. But I find the fact that the industry is developing just like an entirely new form of de displaying and delivering stories to be absolutely fascinating. Like when was the last time an entirely new form like this of books or of, of story delivery was developed? The best I can think of is, is ebooks. But if you've got something else or something different that I'm forgetting, please let me know. Because like I said, I'm 
kind of obsessed with this now. So if any of you know more about Webtoons, please let me know. As for the story, I found it really compelling uh, and possibly even went to the bookstore the day after I finished volume one to buy volume two. That maybe definitely happened. Um, the story is a little soapy. I think you can probably imagine, but I also think that's kind of the nature of this kind of mythology. Who's jealous? Who's in love? Who's starting a war? Etc. Etc. Um, please do check the content warnings on this one if you tend to be a person that has things that they want to be cautious of. And as an aside, I started using Storygraph for that a few months ago. Storygraph is a great way to get content warnings. So that's just a little PSA. Uh, getting back to the plot and characters and drama of it all, I do think there's something about all of these interpersonal dynamics in Greek mythology that make the lore compelling in a way to a lot of readers. Those plot lines of who has what power over whom is a through line in a lot of different stories. And the next book we're going to talk about shows that that power struggle uh, and those complicated families aren't just a Greek mythology thing. They are an element of folklore across the world. Love and Color, Mythical Tales from Around the World Retold by Bolu Babalola is, as the title suggests, a collection of love stories that are mythical retellings from around the world. There are stories from, among other places, China, Nigeria, some of those Greek myths are involved. Babalola has also written a few of her own stories, if it will, into the collection. And although it is a collection, all written by one person, largely based on myths and stories that are love stories... The short stories are all a little bit different and even kind of eclectic in some ways. Some are modern retellings featuring college students. Others are set in what feels like centuries-old battles and power struggles. They feel like they're a part of this ancient world. Uh, the writing also changes. It actually even goes from past to occasionally present tense, which is a thing I think I've mentioned I am very sensitive to, but it worked for me here. And although these are love stories, they aren't necessarily romances, at least not in the way that the romance genre definition would apply. They aren't all happy endings, although most of what we get are at least maybe possible door open to happy endings. But I think one of the great things about a short story is that the nature of it is that you only get a glimpse of what happens and you don't get the next chapter. One aspect of the story is resolved in all of Babalola's chapters, but that doesn't mean that you get to know what happens next. It's a different kind of conclusion, but again, it's a thing I love about short stories, and um, I appreciate that the door can be open to what might come next. One of the great things about Love and Color is seeing the themes that carry through stories, even when they're from different countries and different cultures. So much of these myths and legends comes down to how people interact with each other. And by putting women in central positions of power in her stories, Babalola is turning the stories, just kind of like twisting them a little bit, while still staying true to the interpersonal drama that we have discussed that is at the core of all of these. The thing that makes all of these stories really compelling is that even when they're about gods and goddesses or about ancient warrior queens, the themes of loss and jealousy and love and betrayal are things that are universal across time and geography, and they're relatable. Because even if most of us can't curse someone to a lifetime in the underworld or whatever, we know what it's like to be jealous or in love or just kind of frustrated and angry and maybe wish that we could curse someone to a lifetime in the underworld. So anyway, that is it for us today. Thank you, as always, to our sponsor and a huge thanks as well to our goddess of audio editing, Caitlin Brame. And thanks to all of you, of course, for listening. 
For more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. You can find both of the books I mentioned today in the show notes. They're probably in your podcatcher, but you can also visit bookriot.com slash all the books. Remember, if you are a fan of all the books and all the backlist, and you want to show a little love, please leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We sincerely appreciate your review, and it does help other book lovers find us. If you want to find me, you can mostly do that on Instagram. I am at Trisha Haley Brown. And until we talk again, good luck with these very long months. Please take good care and happy reading. Happy reading.